Welcome to the Burning Eye Podcast, west of centre and never knowingly mainstream. Welcome to the Burning Eye podcast. I'm Jen Hart. Today I'm being joined by Sarah Hirsch, who was the UK Slam champion in 2013 and came third in the World Slam champions in 2014. Sarah released her book Still Falling with us in August of this year. So hello, Sarah. Sarah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Hi. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Okay, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. <laughs> Last time we had a podcast, we spoke to Paula Varjak on the new release of her book, which came out very recently. Um, but for you, Sarah, your book came out um, in the summer, um, which was a few months ago. So we're just trying to um, revisit some of our, our earlier collections in the year um, and kind of talk about um, how having a book um, has affected you as as a spoken word artist um, and, you know, where to go from here. So... Um, I just quickly wanted to mention that you're um, doing a hammer and tongue now. Is that I right? Have. Yeah. And the new one, Waterloo. I say new, but it's been going for a year, but it still feels new. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, that's called the Genesis Slam, is it? No. So that's called so the Genesis Slam. Is called the Genesis Slam. Right. Okay. And then I also run Hammer and Tongue Waterloo, so I do too. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Do you want to talk about uh, a little bit about the Genesis Slam and what what that's about? Oh, I'd love to. So uh, it's um. London's only regular three-round poetry slam, um, and I'm really excited because we've got the final on the first of December. So we've had um, like a winner every month since for, for this past year. Plus we have we took it up to the Edinburgh Fringe for the first time ever, and we have all of the winners from there coming down. So we've got 15 finalists, and we've got Harry Baker featuring. Ooh. Um, it's going to be amazing, um, and it's yeah, it's at Genesis Cinema and. Um, Every month as well, we've got an open poetry slam. Anyone can come along and, and slam, um, and that will be back from February. And um, yeah, it's it's a really friendly night, and it's free as well, free entry. So, so um, is that? Do you find um, that it's? I mean, obviously, well done for for it being for running for a year and it being a success. Do you find it quite difficult, like or not difficult, maybe competitive with um, the other kind of poetry nights in London because there's so many in, in London it's quite, um, it's quite saturated yeah scene. but I think I mean I think the good thing about London is it it's just massive so if even if there's two nights going on at the same time there's so many people and there's so yeah many, never actually really feels like competition it just sort of feels like well if you're west go to this one and if you're east come to this one um I mean I try my we try our best to not clash and occasionally there will be inevitably but um, no, I, I mean, I, I've not. I found it um, like it's particularly with Genesis, really um, actually a, a easy to attract a, com- a completely different crowd. So we actually get quite a lot of just regular cinema goers or students from because um, there's a uni just next door. So actually, like what I've been finding is it's it's not actually that it's not just poets performing to poets at that one, which um, which is really nice. So. Yeah, it's been that one's that's been a pleasure. Hammer and Tongue um, is the one that's just is quite new, and that's been uh, tougher to get off the ground just because we're in a brand new venue. But um, 
but similarly really fun and I never feel like it's in competition that's good yeah cool um so on to the book um as I said earlier it was released um in August um which is um if for those of you listening that are familiar with the poetry world you know that the summer can be very quiet time for poetry because everyone's at festivals or at the Edinburgh Fringe um you yourself was at the Edinburgh Fringe this year did you do a full month there I did a full month full month so yeah the book coming out like it was awesome but it, it kind of was like one of so many things happening at that time like it was just yeah <laughs> it's nice to kind of come back to it now and I mean things are still crazy but not <laughs> so did you find I mean because we when we schedule books to come out we tend to ask um our poets you know when to think about when the best time for them to release the book is for for times that they think their their sales will be the best so um, for Still Falling, was that um, a, a conscious decision for you to release it in lieu with the Fringe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was perfect because um, it, it, I kind of had it on my doorstep, I think, like two days before I went up to the Fringe. And um, so it was just, I mean, I sold out before the end of this uh, of August because um, so many people were, I mean, I was doing so many gigs that month um, and then like had an official launch at the end of September. So, yeah, it was ideal. How did it compare with previous years at the Fringe without having a book? I'm quite interested to know, to kind of see how having a book um, affects, um, not not the performance, obviously, but um, revenue for you, I suppose. How how was it in comparison with, with previous years of actually having something tangible to, to sell? It was really, it was great, actually. I mean, my bag was a lot heavier all month. <laughs> but other than that, it was brilliant because, I mean... I did a free fringe and so shake a bucket at the end of the show and um kind of being able to say like you know last because last year I had a cd sale that that was a fiver so it's kind of like if you put a fiver in the hat you get a cd but but to say you know if you put if you put 10 pounds in you get like a whole book that's just come out I mean it like it was great people people did because it's a book and (laughs) they want to read it and they're getting some actually getting something their money I mean I say that like they get a show obviously for their money as well um uh yeah it was awesome it it kind of felt it kind of really legitimized I guess felt like it really legitimized what I was what I was doing and and kind of asking for money from people is always awkward but whereas having like an an actual product that you know a lot of work has gone into and that looks so good um it felt yeah it felt like it really professionalized the whole thing for me um which I was really grateful for um, so yeah, yeah, it was it could it was nothing but helpful at the French. Were you doing um, solo performances there, or were you just doing your show with Ben Fagan? Uh, I did both. So we did the show every day, and then I also ran the Genesis Slam for a week in the middle, and then had a ton of solo uh, spots and also guest spots with Ben. So I think in total I did fifty shows in the three weeks. Um, wow. <laughs> I came back slightly dead. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, we we spoke to Paula the other week. She was only up there for ten days, and the amount of things that she did was she was doing so mind boggling. <laughs> running like past, we'd run past each other, and she'd be on like her fourth gig of the day. Oh. <laughs> It'd be like two p.m. <laughs> I I guess for a lot of um, spoken word artists, fringe is really that time of year where you know everything 
it, everything happens all at once. So do you spend a lot of time throughout the year preparing for that? Or is it something that kind of you're like, oh, well, I've developed a show. We could take it to the fringe. That could be a thing. Or do you think that you the fringe is like an end goal for you? Um, for me, it's been really deliberate. Like um, the fringe is because I mean I've been going for for so many years before even being a poet it's always been kind of a de- like a very definite almost end of the year and then sort of start again in September so um the last couple of years when I've been with shows it's been very much about the fringe um whereas what I'd quite like to do in, um at some point is actually spend a bit longer developing a show and then with the with the kind of idea of taking it to the fringe like when it's ready but that's that's not the model I've been using for the past few years just because I've I've known I've wanted to experience the fringe and be there, so I've kind of used that year to prep and then taken that show to the fringe at the end of it. But yeah, I'd really like to spend, um, if I was to do another one, which I will do, but not not right now. Have a breather. <laughs> yeah, have a breather. I've got a dissertation to write, which is um, going to take up this year. And then, yeah, if I was to do another show, I'd really like it to be a much longer project, not necessarily with like, the fringe as an end goal, but maybe with the fringe as a as a, maybe a bit of a launch or a kind of halfway point or something like that, I think. You're also now doing a, a tour of the book now. Is that right? I am, yes. I am, um, I'm, I've got two dates left on the on the book tour. I did all the rest of them in one month, which was um, incredibly stupid. <laughs> really fun. But yeah, October was mental. And um, now I've got a bit of a break and I've got I'm going to Bath at the end of November and then Manchester at the beginning of December. Oh great! With the with the books, that's good. So, is there anywhere in that busy month of October that any date that was really that really stood out for you? Uh, all of them. They were. They were. It was. I mean, I had such a great time. Um, I really. I, I went back to a night in Bournemouth that's just lovely. Um, oh, be on the spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that one. Yeah, Bob that's Hill. Good. Bob Hill. Yeah, great. yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Um, where was I? Goodness. I mean, all you know what all of them were like. Almost all of them were um, were on by the beach, which was that was oh, that's a nice little touch. I don't know. I mean, it must have been accidental. I've got a bit of an affinity with water. <laughs> having lots of nice walks along beaches, like I was in Margate, which was really nice. Um, oh, you know what, Southampton. Ah, oh, um, that's I'm, my hometown. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Absolute favourites because um, was it four five one? You did. Was yeah. Yeah. And, the open mic was just probably one of the best open mics I've ever seen. Oh wow! It was just ridiculous. Plus they had Francesca Beard who yes, loomed my socks off, and um, and it was just like a really and that had like a really nice response to my set. So I think it, I think that was probably my favourite one. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, I think like when you when you live somewhere and you and you spend so much time in, integrated in that particular spoken word scene in in that city, it's really nice to go away and see kind of how other people are kind of doing things. I guess. Lovely. Um, I love um, kind of getting out of London and seeing the, the the regional stuff and what's going on. Like, there's so much going on that like. And just and and all these awesome scenes which all have their own kind of identity and, and um like there's some really cracking nights going on around the country and I think it's yeah um, I just think I'm, I feel very lucky that I'm able to travel a lot um and kind of and now have like you know poetry friends and all these different different places which is kind of I don't know it's just great it's not it stops it all being really insular and insane I think 
Yeah. So when you when you're traveling and then doing kind of the book tour and stuff, are you mostly doing it on your own? Like yeah. all the traveling and stuff? Because that's something that I've always struggled with is is actually um having the the motivation to to go somewhere alone because I I um and I know several other people in the spoken word scene that suffer from kind of social anxiety and things like that is do you have any like I, I don't know ways of of coping by being by all the traveling on your own or is that like something that you enjoy you know what this month has been um really um well, I don't know kind of it's been a real turning point for me in terms of that kind of stuff because I didn't really realize how much I was suffering from the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think, lo- like, it's all very, uh, you know, it's all really exciting and, and to, to feel like I'm in any way complaining about it is, is just Because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm aware I'm very lucky. But you're, you, it's, I think it's really interesting and really important as kind of poets to discuss that kind of side of it because, yeah, it's really tough. And, um, like, the the kind of for me it's not so much about traveling on my own I don't mind being I mean I really love being on trains I love and I really love having like travel time to kind of just have a think and have a write or a read or whatever but for me it's the kind of the like every poetry night is a social event so when you're kind of doing loads of them and you're kind of kind of one minute you're in one city the next you're in another and you're on your own you're kind of suddenly surrounded by uh, loads of people and you've kind of got a it's not just you know it's not just your 20 minutes on stage that an event is it's everything that kind of comes with it so yeah, yeah. I've been working quite hard uh, recently on coming up with sort of strategies for that kind of stuff and like the sort of social anxiety side of things and um, and also just the kind of busyness and giving like having time to compress and or decompress and uh, yeah like um, so it's not all kind of go 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 all the time, but yeah, it's it's definitely something I struggle with, and definitely something that um, I've kind of been having a few conversations on, on how we can um, really kind of open up a bit of a dialogue about what it what it actually is to be like a touring performer, especially when it's a when you're a solo performer and it's not like in the music industry where it's kind of yeah, um, it's all very. Um, well it's just different isn't it like with as poets I mean firstly there's basically no money in what we do like shoestring but also um, yeah just kind of self care and like yeah there's like little things that you can do to to help with the 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 anxiety I guess yeah because um I suffer with social anxiety to the point where sometimes I can't even go to my local open mics because the the thought of being around so many people is exhausting Right. Um, it really, really is. Yeah. Um, so, like, traveling to somewhere that I've never been before to be greeted by people I've never met before um, has always really panicked me. Um, and I've done so. I've done spoken word tours before, and I've done touring with my band before. Um, and the the difference is really weird. So, I I did a tour of, um, a few years ago with uh, Henry Raby, who's a poet from York, um, and we did yeah and we did this thing called the riot nerd tour which was um a di- an exploration of diy culture and and spoken words so we went into a lot of poetry night places um and diy spaces as well but it was it was really 
good to go with another poet or just just with someone else because it it kind of it really takes away that that kind of me being on my own and and my brain going into overdrive and going oh no I can't do this I need to get off Edinburgh was was a completely different experience the second time around when I did when I did a show a two-hander show because everything's shared and everything's a shared experience yeah you've got someone else kind of who if, yeah, if you're suddenly in a room full of people that you're feeling anxious, you know that you can have a conversation with, and that it's, and you feel safe. And I think, uh, I think that is a yeah, that's something something I've noticed. Um, but yeah, the yeah, it's it just I think there's also this this um, kind of for me this real thing of I don't know there's there might be an expectation that if you're a performer it means you're an extroverted person, and actually it's it's quite often the opposite I found and. Um, I mean, I, I feel incredibly confident on stage to just kind of say whatever I want to say, and um, and and then as soon as I get off stage, it, it like it's not the same thing, is it? It's not the same. You know, you're suddenly you've got to have unrehearsed conversations. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes you're thrown out with like a load of questions. Yeah, and you're like, uh, uh, beer, <laughs> beer, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I end up drinking quite a lot on tour because <laughs> I find it like a really good way of coping and, and becoming more relaxed because it, you know you're you're going into spaces that are like quite often local places where everyone there is a community um, and it's very clear that you're the outsider and even though people are obviously there to see you perform and they and they're there because they they want you to do well and and, and things like that it's still like I don't know for me it still brings back memories of like school a little bit goodness yeah I think also because you're um it's always incredibly well normally incredibly well-meaning but because also you you naturally end up being the center of attention because you yeah like you say you're the visitor you're the the person who's um on the posters and you're the person on the stage and so in conversation like sometimes I can feel like oh I I don't know like don't look at me I don't know yeah yeah you're like oh I I don't have all of the answers that because actually I mean I've been made to feel so welcome in in almost every place I've gone yeah as part of this job not just on the tour just like the last few years every time I've kind of been um like welcomed into a into a local scene I've been made to feel so welcome but I think um I think especially when it's a tour or when you're when it's a lot all at once um actually like the experiences can be very different to kind of how it might look an outsider really important to kind of open up a conversation of like especially maybe with promoters of of like the best ways to kind of manage that those situations to make sure that like to to remember that a person is still a person if they're if they're coming and and they might not be the person that they are on stage i found that before you know promoters sometimes say hello to you in a maybe have an awkward conversation and then just kind of leave you to your own devices and sometimes that can be really unhelpful yeah um because then you're like oh well I'll just go and sit over here and and I'll look through my material and I'll pretend that this is this is comfortable for me and and you know sometimes that's that's not so yeah I agree I think like definitely some definitely there needs to be some more discussion or or things written about um anxiety and, and and the kind of things that we're we're talking about now i think that's like a really useful thing to to flag up i think so i'm kind of i'm my final module in my masters i'm kind of looking at 
similar issues um, within spoken word, but also um, kind of really specifically from like a more of a feminist angle or, or sort of um, what it is to be, well, what it is to be a woman performer, promoter, yeah. or singer, but also what it is to be a feminist in those situations and actually how um, it is very different being on stage to being uh, writing uh, to being to being the kind of the whatever professional and then to being uh, a promoter or whatever it's, it's very different roles that you're playing yeah um, and, that, and I think it can affect um, kind of these feelings of, of well safety for one and, and also just social uh, our social interactions and stuff it's very different on stage and off stage or um, if you're the promoter or the poet I think it's very different roles I'm just really interested in it there's definitely something to be said about that because I have always tended to because in Southampton I um although that's where I started doing spoken word um and like open mic nights and things but I was also running those nights as well so I was an event coordinator and I did like I ran some slams and stuff um, co-ran them with with someone else um and the safe I felt so much more safe in that role than getting up on stage sometimes and reading my material to people yeah that's exactly how I feel a lot of the time but then there's also a big voice in the back of my head kind of saying well, do the performers feel safe in your um at your night and kind of having, yeah. having a, I had a big realization recently um just the 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 imbalance um in terms of male and female slammers um yeah suddenly going like at, at my night and just going oh wow that's that's a pattern and to ensure that there's that everyone kind of feels like their voice is being heard or that there's that it's balanced and equal um yeah and yeah that it's a safe space because I was kind of suddenly suddenly struck I was like oh I, I don't know if it has been necessarily for the last well I mean I say that yeah, I, I think it's a safe I, you know I, I wouldn't say it's an unsafe space but yeah just having an aware like it's such a complicated because I've shared your view that I feel I feel very safe as a promoter um much more so than sometimes as a performer but then there's a whole other side of it that is okay so is, do the performers at my night feel that um, feel the the kind of same way like a lot of open mic nights and things that I have been to have been very male dominated um yeah. and I can be quite picky about poetry that I like and if I'm listening to a man writing a poem or speaking a poem about a woman's experience I get very annoyed about it because yeah, there are probably women in the audience that have experienced the things that these men are talking about um yeah who's yeah it feels I mean it, for me that borders on like the, the same lines of sort of appropriation it's kind of yeah 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 um, so I think like yeah I mean there is maybe more that promoters could do um i mean uh, there's like obviously um i was really impressed by she growls the night that yeah 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 i thought that was great because it was like offering a specific space um for for women and people self-identifying women um to to kind of own that space and be like well okay this is my space rather than having to negotiate themselves in a space that is trying to be equal, but sometimes really doesn't recognise where it could be better. I yeah. think. And I, and yeah, I, I really like that night, and I think it's because um, it's it's just really difficult. There's so many 
um, you know, you know, as a promoter, trying to kind of you're always trying to keep everybody happy for one, and also there's only a limit to what you can actually be in control of. So, for example, um, for a, a one particular night I've run, that I'm thinking of, I had, um, I think, eight uh, women who had signed up, and only two showed up, whereas all of the men showed up. So then it just became an unbalanced night, just yeah. purely of luck, um, or whatever was going on but yeah um yeah and I, and I, th- I think it's, it's even for me that the, the, the same kind of sentence just keeps coming back to my head of just like that really simple thing of like just being aware of, you know I think we used to hear it at school but it's like if you're if you're hearing your voice too much in the space like pull back yeah yeah like, and it's that thing of going what voices am I hearing um in this space and what voices are getting lost and it's just I think it's just so important to, to be aware of it at least aware of it as promoters and to keep these discussions going so that it can be something that like hopefully over time at least can can be rectified yeah that everyone feels like their voices can be can be heard and and yeah I don't don't know it's it's such a it's such a complex issue I agree yeah there's a there's so much that we could probably say on that we could talk for hours about it probably you know it's refreshing to kind of hear that it's not just me um, mulling this stuff over um in my in my head it's nice to know that like other I, I don't know other people share the same views or have felt similar um I mean I I, I was I convinced myself as well that I was like oh I'm the only person who is, is feeling this anxious in social situations I should be just grateful to have the opportunity and you know to meet so many cool people and it's it's really nice I think to know that other people um doing the same thing as you actually feel the same about this stuff great is all it is and as 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 happy as we all are to have these opportunities i think it's important like that we can say oh actually i don't know i'm feeling funny about this bit or this made me feel anxious or whatever yeah i think yeah i think there's definitely a lot more room to open up these conversations in these spaces um and as you say like gradually just kind of improve the way that things things go I, I guess and, and you know because poetry is a, a is a great space people are very welcoming and things like that but the same with any scene you know um you know some voices are you know not as heard as as others and things like mental health is often talked about in poems people will do poems about mental health but then like in in practice like in front of them uh, people don't necessarily recognize signs of of anxiety or um depression or or whatever it is um and i think they're yeah you know opening up conversations like the one we're having now um even just to raise awareness to be like actually there are people out there that that yeah, need the support and hopefully you know, I have great faith in the spoken word scene that, you know, that support will be generated. Yeah, and that's, this is the thing. I think it's, um, cause I think it's a double-edged sword because I'm, or, or actually I think I mean that it's a really nice sword with two sides. <laughs> but um, the, 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 this is like the the kind of friendliest scene I've ever come across and, 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 and actually the most kind of, people are really switched on to each other a lot yeah. of the time. And I do think it's the kind of place where you can have these conversations and the majority of people who I don't know will listen will who are part of the scene will go 
either oh that's affected me or that's affected someone I know or I have I'm an, an empathetic person who can understand you know how how this, these people are feeling um but I think yeah the other side of it I think is that poetry is a very vulnerable kind of it's a very vulnerable art form just it just is um by the nature of um like a lot of the stuff we're talking about can be quite personal quite um there, there's no kind of we haven't got anything no barriers up there's no um nothing to hide behind a lot of the time that's the other side of it is that we I think need to maybe even more so than than other scenes be just really I don't know careful of each other because mm. yeah it, I think yeah there are lots of people talking about it in poems um which is all well and good and really important but it's also like you say like those people then come off stage and feel those things for real yeah it's, so I think drawing that line um, I mean, I, I had a, I have an example actually um, of recently. I, I have a new poem that I just that I just kind of brought out, which is about um, feeling unsafe as a as a woman uh, late at night, and um, kind of drew, drew on some very real stuff that happened and to, to do with being mugged, and performed it at a, at a night. And um, ha, uh, and, that, and you know that's all very well and good on stage, being able to say that stuff, and but then afterwards. <laughs> Uh, like older white man male comes up to me and makes a makes a really what I then kind of realised afterwards that was actually a fairly offensive joke about about being sort of attacked or scared of walking around and almost it was kind of a, a, like a joke threat. Ugh, I, men. <laughs> right, this is right. This is right. <laughs> but yeah, so. That was, that was, was just amazing but um but more than that I think it just that's exactly what I was saying what we're saying it's like it's on stage it's it's you know one persona very confident looking person is talking about um an experience which uh they've put together in a nice poem which has a metaphor in it and is you know sometimes rhymes great but they come off stage and they feel they they're probably going to feel those things yeah and, and so it's yeah it just it's exactly what um i think we've been we've been chatting about but there's like a there can be a quite a, a disparity sometimes i think between how we're how we're treated as performers and as people i very hastily um asked you um earlier via email i really need to get better at this but um i asked you if you would like to uh do a poem for our podcast today I did, um, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking. I mean, I never. I've only really performed it once, but um, but since you, you like it, I will happily do this poem. And I also actually looking at it, think it's quite a good introduction to the book, really, because the reason I put it, I put two poems before, I get the beginning of the book before I kind of then start on the three different sections, um, as a kind of one is an introduction to the book and one is an introduction to me, so. So it might be quite a good one to do. Great. Um, this is called Maths Hasn't No Place in Poetry. She was never any good at maths. She could write you round in circles, but ask her to work out the circumference of all the things she said, and she would bend right out of shape with the confusion. She was one for words. 
loved the way that language licked its way around her mouth, spent months memorising passages of text to test new sounds out in front of crowds, and coined a few phrases herself as she grew rapidly into the speaker she was inevitably born to be. She couldn't do long division, though. Couldn't add or subtract without her fingers, and didn't know why two negatives made a positive. Because in her world, double negatives were bad, and bad never meant good. Especially if preceded by another word that meant bad, like terribly bad. Terribly bad was never a positive statement, and so she spent double maths lessons cursing the double standards of her teachers and double daring herself to tell them off for being terribly bad at their jobs, but never following through with the threats because it would inevitably make her feel positive and this would prove them right. But tonight? She sits and calculates all that she has since become because the words seem empty otherwise. Woman, sister, daughter, friend, employee, artist, lover. Another 100 words fill her head, but these are the seven that stick for long enough to matter. She is woman, sister, daughter, friend, employee, artist, lover, and she can't do the maths on that. Can't work out how she can be more than the sum of her parts when she can sum up the parts of her in seven words, and parts of her doesn't even believe she is worth that many, because words have a value she isn't sure she measures up to. So she divides herself into seven and tries numbers for a change. Woman is 26 years in the making. It is once a month since 15 for four days, give or take, and two reminders hidden under two big t-shirts. Woman is five letters she hasn't quite grown into, and two away from the man she won't let define her. She is woman, a multiple of many who have made her, and a multitude more who will come after. Sister, simply put, is something like six phone calls since he moved to Scotland as many months ago. Daughter is the 11th of May, 1989, meaning more than it is possible to understand to someone who doesn't get the present. It is the subtraction of a father far too young and a fraction of what it could be. She only feels like half the word because she hasn't said the word dad in context for the amount of time she had one. Friend is two-hour conversations through headphones with a 24-year backstory. It is 13 apologies over a two-month period and 20 minutes away in times of crisis. It is 824 messages deep, but non-existent offline. Friend is something she could be better at, but couldn't do without. Employee is 6.60 an hour and three months probationaries. It is five shifts a week, 12-hour days, and six additions to her CV, and possibly eight letters she doesn't want to be tied to, because she wants to be artist to the power of three. But artist only feels like a part-time part of her since she stopped working for free. Artist is zero-hour contracts, one word to describe all, and slightly above average. Lover is two months forgotten. It was twice a week since Christmas and an unknown quantity in future. It is six different ways to tie herself in knots and not always something she has enjoyed, but it is one she didn't expect to. It is six years of self-doubt and selling herself short, and a six-letter word she finds difficult to spell without thinking of someone specific. She counts the amount of things she's numbered, and it makes a lot more than seven. She has several hundred reasons why he isn't worth another thought. A couple of decisions away from change and a decimal point away from the point she should be at at almost 27 years in. She counts on her fingers seven things that she is and multiplies that number by everything else she tries to be. Satisfied with the result, she turns a page and turns her statistics into words she can compute. The world outside her comfort zone is technical, but she smiles at the thought that while it might have taken her longer than most to do the sums, the answer isn't terribly bad after all. 
I really like that one. That's my my favourite out of the book. And the best thing about working for Burning Eye Books is that I get to read all of the books before they come out. It's it's a very even though it's very clinical in a way because it's all you know numbers and, and divisions and stuff. It's real. It's really personal to you, like about an identity that you have that it's, it is about being a woman. Um, and I I really like that. That's really nice. <laughs> that really means a lot. I think um, yeah. I think it always did feel like maybe, like weirdly weirdly personal. Even though all of my stuff is super personal. There's something about that one which meant I kind of ended up not really sharing it a lot because it felt so personal. Maybe because it is yeah. like, it's so stripped down. It's not necessarily like, I mean, obviously it's got all the math stuff, but like it's not like I haven't, I don't know, I haven't covered anything up with a metaphor really. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's why. But yeah, I'm really glad you like it because I, I do really, I mean, that's why I kind of included it, especially at the beginning because I thought it was a really good, because the whole book is about me and how I relate to myself through other people. And um so I guess that's why I kind of really thought it was like a real solid introduction. And then obviously saying at the end, like, you know, turning her words, her statistics into words she can compute. It's like the, the rest of the book is that is kind of that, I guess. Well, um, we've been chatting for ages, so I'm going to I'm going to end it there. But um, thank you very much for taking some time to speak to me today. Of course, that was um, a really genuinely... Uh, interesting conversation yeah no it was great i really enjoyed it um and i hope that you know other poets listening might you know it might tick some boxes for them and kind of have a go away and have a think and maybe join in the conversation about things like anxiety and mental health um um and safe spaces in the poetry scene You can catch Sarah next on her book tour at Rhyme and Reason in Bath Spire University on the 30th of November, where you can buy a copy of Still Falling directly from the poet, or you can go to our web store today, burningeyebooks.bigcartel.com, and pick up a copy there, along with several other amazing titles from this year, including the brand new, much-anticipated collection from Pete the Temp Bearder, Numbered Boxes, which is out now. (laughs) 